Hey everyone, my name is Kyla. Welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. Today we're going to, of course, be talking about Terra. I've gotten a lot of questions about this, but I want to first preface that a lot of really, really smart people, smarter than me, have done great analysis on this. So I'm going to link a Notion document where I've compiled all my notes. If you have questions, it's hopefully going to be answered in there. I'm going to do a very broad overview. Then, of course, I'm going to talk about the Federal Reserve and sort of the similarities that come between actually the UST and the USD. Getting right into it, it's been approximately one week since the Fed meeting. So much has happened. I personally feel like I've aged. 30 years, but it's been one week <laughs> since that meeting uh, when they said that they were going to raise rates by 50 basis points. And they plan to do that over the next several meetings and to shrink their balance sheet. And since then, layoffs have happened at many startups. USD, this algorithmic stablecoin has depegged from $1 USD. Inflation came in hot as of yesterday. India is buying LNG from Russia. Qatar is negotiating with Europe around LNG or running out of baby formula. There are diesel shortages. MicroStrategy could get margin called. I always want to call it margin strategy, which it might be soon. Americans are loading up on credit card debt tech stocks are getting absolutely throttled and the wheat market is under even more pressure as China is tossing bad supply and retail volume declined by 58% at Coinbase, which is just a huge red flag. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about two of those things, but just know that there's a lot going on out there. So a very simplified version of the USD DPEG. So like I said, many people who are smarter than me have done great analysis around this. This is like the Kyla analysis and I have attached all of that in a Notion document, which will be linked in the description box below. And also this is, of course, a full right up on Substack where I have like everything that I talk about linked. So Do Kwon is the founder of Terra. He this is the second algorithmic stable coin. As Ryan said on Binkless, he essentially became Jerome Powell over the weekend. But first, what is Terra? Terra itself is a public blockchain protocol deploying a suite of algorithmic decentralized stablecoins, which underpin a thriving ecosystem that brings DeFi to the masses. So Terra's main goal is to achieve Bitcoin's goal of peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash. They have a lot of different stablecoins in their ecosystem, but USD is the most popular. There are a lot of different types of stablecoins. So you have Tether, you have DAI, you have USDC. I have more on that in the stablecoin notes that I have. So if you want to go learn more about those, I also have a video on stablecoins. Go check all that out. But essentially they're utility tokens that are meant to bring stableness, payment systems, a store of value to the crypto ecosystem. And an important note is that Tether, DAI, and USDC are all collateralized. So USDC and Tether are fiat-backed, whereas DAI is backed by Ether or other cryptos. USC is not backed. It's simply backed by Vibes, which is not great. It's great until it's not good, right? As Coindesk wrote, USC gained the trust of the decentralized finance community as a truly decentralized stablecoin that does not need a central governing organization to ensure sufficient reserves to back the price. It turns out that they do need a central entity with reserves to back the price because if your stablecoin goes into free fall, somebody is going to have to step in. And so so what happened with USD? Like what, what's going on here? So there's four core components of what happened. Rect has a really great write-up on it. It got highly recommend that you go check it out. Being close, of course. Matt Levine, all the people. There's two important crypto assets. So USD is an algorithmic stablecoin, which means that it tries to match the value of one USD. So it's kind of like having USD, but in crypto. So like if you wanted to have your money somewhere safe in the crypto universe, you would use a stablecoin because it's supposed to just basically be like the US dollar, but crypto. There's also Luna, which helps USD maintain its peg. And that trades on the laws of supply and demand. There's also Anchor, which is a money market built on Terra, which is like the incentive of the entire ecosystem because they offer a 19.5% APY for USD deposits on the platform. And there's also the Luna Foundation Guard and their reserves, which I will discuss later. Just know that they're kind of like the Federal Reserve, but for the Terra ecosystem. And so all that's going on. How does the USD maintain its $1 peg? You have UST and Luna. So Luna trades like any crypto asset, supply and demand. USD is a stablecoin that trades off Luna. But most importantly, one 
$1 UST is always going to be equal to $1 worth of Luna. That is the stabilization mechanism, this relationship. So UST is going to stabilize at $1 UST because you can get $1 UST for $1 worth of Luna, no matter what, even if USD is more than or less than $1 because arbitrage will smooth the market out because the idea is that people, you know, if USD is trading at 98 cents, people are going to be like, whoa, that's a great deal. Like, let me get some Luna and take advantage of that. Or if it's trading at $1 and two cents, people are going to be like, whoa, that's great. Like, let me profit off that. And that profit mechanism, that arbitrage mechanism is supposed to make it sort of normalize and maintain the peg and the subsequent burning and minting of Luna. It's a little confusing, but basically just know that <laughs> the incentive is to arbitrage. And so, you know, that's great. But like, why would somebody want that? Like, what's the point? Uh, so the yield, right? So the utility of the USC stablecoin is the anchor protocol, which pays 19.5% yield or did. It's much higher than like the 0.05% that you get in a traditional bank account. So it's like, sure, why not? And it's supposed to be stable. Like it's supposed to be somewhere where you're like, yes, this is safe and I am good with this. And it incentivizes liquidity because people are like, yeah, I'm going to, you know, earn 19.5% when inflation is 8.3%. Sign me up. And that 19.5% is supported by the Luna Foundation Guard. For now, think of them as a federal reserve, like I said, but for crypto, and they sort of like help maintain that 19.5% because, um, it, that's not possible. Otherwise, it, it's basically collective belief driving value and it's incentivized by a sick yield. And of course, you're probably like, what could go wrong with that? So it turns out a lot of things could go wrong with that. And a lot of things did go wrong with that. So a cascade of events began. The cascade of events, of course, began with incentives. So first of all, I'm just going to say macro stuff is compounding all of this. It's already a really tense macro atmosphere where Bitcoin is going through a massive sell-off. They're selling pressure on the stock market, specifically tech, which crypto trades similar to, like it's essentially the level NASDAQ and there is a tightening liquidity environment in general. So that kind of like makes everything worse, right? For everyone. And then there was a series of events, a series of unfortunate events. There's e-liquidity. There is a migration from three pool to four pool on curve finance. All you need to know is that that means that liquidity was drying up for USD because Doquan had to withdraw USD in order to prep for this migration and to get things over from three pool to four pool. And also the Luna Foundation Guard was selling USD to buy Bitcoin <laughs> to build up their reserves. So it was sort of this double whammy of illiquidity and pressure. But if you're somebody looking to beat up and attack something, this is sort of your shining moment because you're like, yes, okay, not only are they selling USD in order to buy a Bitcoin in order to support USD down the road, they're also moving USD from three pool to four pool and it's just a little bit of illiquidity. So if you're somebody who's wanting to attack, it's like, well, now it's my time to shine. And so there's speculation that somebody did attack and they dumped a lot of USD on the market, which resulted in Terraform Labs having to remove even more USD to bounce stuff out, which resulted in even more instability even more illiquidity. That leads to reflexivity, as David talked about on Bankless. He calls them not algorithmic stablecoins, but reflexive stablecoins. And I think that's a really good point. So basically, people see this happening. They see this big sell-off and they're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Let me get out of here and save as much money as I can. And so more people started selling funds, started selling, people got nervous. And then that death spiral begun. Somebody tried to defend the peg and that didn't quite work. And so then the Luna Foundation Guard with their Bitcoin reserves, they were like, okay, don't worry. Like we have our monetary reserves. And they loaned out 750 million of Bitcoin and 750 million of UST in order to defend the peg, which sounds like monetary policy. And they're asking other institutions to step in and help and to defend this peg and to make sure this thing doesn't go under. It's like $40 billion in market loss, which is insane. I mean, a lot of people are invested in this. The Lunar Foundation Guard was buying Bitcoin at 42K and they're now selling at 34K, even less now. That creates even more selling pressure on Bitcoin, which sort of compounded that spiral. And that leads to a bank run. It was a death spiral, right? So Luna is now absolutely printing in terms of supply, which is creating even more pressure because people are scared, which is creating even more pressure. And thus you sort of get this, this massive sell-off. And there's a lot of implications for that. So Joe Weisenthal, the stalwart, tweeted out, remember in a crisis, all correlations go to one. He was 
quoting Sid. In a crisis, all correlations go to one. Everything begins to trade like itself because everybody is afraid. Fear and emotion and FUD end up driving the market. And with UST, UST was, it was a stable coin, right? So like people were invested in that. And part of the problem is contagion. So A is collateral for B and B is collateral for C and C is collateral for A. So if A goes down, the whole domino lines end up tipping. Pressure is coming for Tether now because people are like, are you actually real? Like nobody really knows, you know, you've done a really bad job at proving it. And the thing is with UST is it wasn't supposed to be a gamble. Anchor got more inflows because the Fed is slamming the brakes on the economy. So people were like, let's go into something safe. Let's get out of, you know, the more gambly assets and go into something like USD, which is supposed to be stable. It's a stable coin. And that's kind of like the cash under your mattress. It's meant to hold during times of uncertainty. And that makes all this worse because people were going into it to try and be safe. And with all that being said, uh, Bankless, Vitalik, and Nevin Freeman all warned against the mechanics of USD because it was kind of like based on vibes. And when the vibes get bad, things go bad. And so that is really sad. The, you know, the Luna Foundation Guard essentially acted as a central bank for a decentralized protocol. They deployed reserves to defend their currency. Russia did something really similar with the ruble a few weeks ago, but all of this is catching regulator attention. So ironically, the Federal Reserve released their financial stability report on the same day that the spiral began, and they specifically highlighted stablecoin bank runs. And they were like, yikes, man. And now Yellen has come out, I think twice now and been like, mm, okay, like that's not cool, dudes. And that regulation of crypto bad could be really harmful for the space. And also it's just harmful for the ecosystem in general because it was supposed to be safe. There were a lot of funds, people, et cetera, that had their money in UST, just like you had a savings account. And that will have lasting consequences. There are horrific stories of people choosing to exit this life because of, because of this. And the losses are just unimaginably difficult. There is a human cost to this. This could have lasting impacts, will have lasting impacts for the space. And a lot of people lost a lot of money. And the biggest thing will be how the system moves forward and the lessons learned from it. So more monetary policy. Do Kwan, Fed Chair, and Jerome Powell, also Fed Chair. So bank runs are the entire reason that the Federal Reserve exists, which is why I am personally like really interested to see if there will be some sort of entity that arises from this for the crypto ecosystem that acts similar to the Fed, because there's a lot of people dunking on the relationship between the actual Fed and crypto right now, because the Fed is essentially this like blaring bell of hope and fear. And right now it's flashing fear. It's like, whoa, guys, like things are getting pretty crazy out there. So all markets are going to respond to the Fed because the United States is the United States and the Fed is the Fed. And they have this weird power that permeates all markets because they are perceived to be the liquidity. I'm sure that the crypto ecosystem doesn't want that relationship to be there, but money is money. And the Fed is sort of the big daddy of money. And so for a brief history on the Fed, the Federal Reserve came into existence after the panic of 1907, which coincided with the San Francisco earthquake. So just kind of, just like anomaly, like things are always going wild. Panics were occurring every 20-ish years or so where people would just have a run on the banks. So like what's happening with terror right now, that happened all the time. But with your US dollar, which was really bad. And so everyone is freaking out all the time. In 1907, the Knickerbocker <laughs> company went bankrupt in the earthquake levels SSF and nobody could get the money that they needed. So JP Morgan of JP Morgan was like, oh my gosh, this is, oh, stop. Like, this is crazy. We need a central entity up in here to manage all this stuff. And Senator Nelson Aldrich was like, oh my gosh, you're so right. We need an entity to lend money to the bank. So these bank runs stop happening and people like, chill out. And so in 1913, they wrote all that down. <laughs> Banks need to have money so people chill out. And the Federal Reserve Act was passed, creating a central bank that would be independent from the government through 12 regional decentralized locations. Each location would have a president and there would be a board of governors in Washington. And the goal was to keep the Fed insulated from both markets and politics and to let them decide on inflation, unemployment, and long-term interest rates. They were meant to manage all that. Because if you have politicians managing all that, they're just going to do what is best for them to get voted into office again, which isn't good. So now monetary policy 
policy is just basically vibes at this point. The Fed nudges the market around to try and achieve these mandates of price stability and maximum employment. And right now, as we all know and feel, inflation is very, very high. The Fed knows this. They raised by 50 basis points last week to try and chill things out and seem to be hopeful that inflation has peaked, which relative to the recent CPI report, it did not. But in terms of PCE, it might have, which is what the Fed uses in order to conduct policy. CPI is just out there as like a, a bone for the masses. I, I'm not like, it's kind of silly in my, like, they're like, here's PCE, here's CPI. You look at CPI, we look at PCE. But mechanically, right? Mechanically, the Fed raises rates through nudging around the Fed funds rate, which is this overnight lending rate between banks. And they do this through the discount rate, reserve requirements, open market operations, and a couple of other things. Basically, their whole goal <laughs> is to make it difficult for people to get money. Stop spending money. Stop demanding things. And that's going to make inflation go down. <laughs> That's that. <laughs> like, like it's kind of funny when you when you say it out loud and you're like, that's monetary policy. <laughs> calm down the economy. That's what the Fed is trying to do right now through pretty direct intervention, both mechanically and semantically, because every time one of them gives a speech that is monetary policy, Bullard especially, but there's still a long way to go because CPI print came in at 8.3% versus 8.1% expected, but was lower than the 8.5% from last month and driving most of the increasing costs. And the reason that the CPI is going to be different from the PCE is the cost in airline travel, food and cars, owner equivalent rent, et cetera. So house prices. The market is now pricing in 75 basis points of rate hikes for June and Dudley, who is a former member of the Fed, is kind of like telling the Fed to just, you know, hit the market with a hammer, just rate hike it up. But he's just like, leave no one behind. Just, just smash it. But as Kathy Jones tweeted, the trouble is that when the Fed tightens aggressively, things tend to break. The canary in the coal mine was in the FX market. Dollar strength is logical outcome that also puts stress on global markets. Of course, it's not that easy. As Kathy highlighted, like things, it's just like with UST is that there's a domino that tips. There was leadership challenges. I think this is like one of the most under talked about things where the Fed didn't hike last year because they didn't know who would be in charge, which is a systemic failure, in my opinion. And they have this new framework where they're doing forward guidance, all that stuff. And the world is weird, right? Like I talked about this last week too, but like literal land war erupted in Europe. Imagine making policy around that. Like you just get out of a pandemic, kind of. I think the Fed does have some questions to answer. I don't think that they've done, I think that they're behind the curve, but I do think that we have to acknowledge that there are a lot of anomalies that are happening right now. And in order to make policy around that, it's, it's super difficult. The world is weird. Some markets are weird. And so we have this mega inflation that is sticking around for longer than people thought. And the worry is that if the Fed slams on the brakes, the whole economy will crash. And just like in crypto, the more FUD and fear around the Fed potentially misstepping, even more so than they've already done, causes a larger sell-off. So we often make things worse for ourselves by existing in a framework of fear and turning into not Kyla. I have another account where I do like philosophy stuff. The markets recover and innovation will continue and humans continue to do cool things. It's just like how the world progresses usually. I know it's not easy. It's really difficult to like look at a red portfolio. It's really difficult to look at people losing their jobs. It's really difficult. And it's kind of silly that the economy just doesn't march along. Like, why can't we just have stability? But uh, human emotion doesn't just march along. We feel sad, we feel happy, and the market in the economy are ultimately like a pricer, a price mechanism for human emotion, which is why it's so unstable because <laughs> humans are just unstable. The important point of all of this is that the market will recover. It'll normalize. It'll get better eventually, probably, but it's also not a straight line of progress because nothing is a straight line of progress. And we've had an absolutely absurd run for the past year. And I think for a lot of people, as Morgan Household tweeted, everything feels unprecedented when you haven't engaged with history. This is a lot of people's first big market downturn, maybe recession. A lot of people were not around for 2008 or they were too young. They were not around for 2000 or they were too young. This is the first time that a lot of people have experienced something like this. So of course it's going to be scary, but you have to just have hope that human innovation, the human condition 
will prevail. And as a final thought, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world for a reason. This snowball effect of things like piling into itself, whether that be fear, anger, hope, FOMO, interest rates, <laughs> that's all exacerbated by this human condition causing compound impact no matter what you focus on. That's true for stable coins, the US dollar, Doquan, Jerome Powell, and ourselves. So I hope that you're doing well. I know that it is scary and I know that it's a lot and I know that it's a lot to try and process. The market will get better one day, but I know it's difficult. I hope that you're doing well. I hope that you're feeling okay and I will talk to you all soon. Thanks for hanging out.